a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Friday night, 22nd of September. Welcome to it and welcome to fall. Yay! <laughs> Equal amount of daylight and nighttime uh, darkness today. Right, uh, it gets lighter, I mean, darker earlier from yeah. here on. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, we got that to look forward to. Uh, you know, as a recovering druid, we pay attention to these things. <laughs> All I know is the past couple of days here in South Florida, we have had some very, very violent thunderstorms. Yesterday, we even had, for a very short period of time, like hurricane force gusts, not the actual, you know, continuous winds, but just gusts. They lasted about a half an hour, and then they were gone. But I noticed over the past week or so, the humidity is ebbing. And when you get the breeze now, it's not that hot suffocating breeze that we're known for in the summer so i actually think the seasons are starting to really change they they really are i mean i was out and about today and i saw a lot of trees change in color uh up here in my part of the country and we had we had tremendous rain and wind last night Mm -hmm. i mean unbelievable stuff um especially for this time of the year. Um, so this morning when I took off out of here, it was so foggy, you couldn't see squat. I mean, it was terrible foggy. Uh, but right now uh-huh. it, it's cloudy, but the fog has lifted. It might be back tomorrow. But it's 66 degrees here, but our humidity is 95%. <laughs> oh, that's strange. It's damp. It's moist. It's moist, uh, yeah. yeah. I was in well, Valentine. Well, climate change, folks. This no, it's is weather. naturally occurring weather cycles. I, I was in Valentine, Nebraska uh, yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, and holy crap, did they get the rain. I mean, hmm. unbelievable. The uh, main street in Valentine was flooded. It was just running like a river. Um, south of Valentine, down Highway 97, there's... Uh, it's, you know, maybe 20 miles uh, south, there's a, a bridge down there. And they thought last night they were going to lose the bridge because it was flooding. Hmm. So, I mean, it was it, it was really, really wet. And it was high winds and lots of thunder and lots of lightning and everything. And then it was just foggy as all get out this morning. Well, I think it's going to be a cold winter across the country. Yeah, that's kind of what it's shaping up to be. So, you know, uh, we got that to look forward to. Uh, We also got an election to look forward to. Oh, God help us. (laughs) Well, and we're going to talk about some stuff coming up with that election. But let's start tonight with A.G. Merrick Garland and his testimony before the House Judiciary Committee yesterday. I sat and watched quite a bit of that yesterday. And holy crap, that guy would not answer a question. Well, he, you know, Democrat, he is part of the problem with the DOJ. 
He lied in certain areas. I mean, out and out lie, dealing with David Weiss and his appointment as the special counsel. Also about um, that part where he was questioned, Jim Jordan questioned him about the DOJ letting Hunter Biden <laughs> tax charges lapse uh-huh. and other things. And uh, But the thing that really got to me, it was a little earlier on when that um, senator from California, oh, or, the, uh, I'm sorry, the representative from California, yeah, yeah. Um, that guy was just, I, I, I wanted to just throw something at him. The lies coming out of that man's mouth. All propaganda. Yeah, he was spewing out the propaganda. He was basically taking the Democrats' talking points and throwing them out. It, I don't know his name offhand, but that guy has no business being in the House. Well, he's just, just towing the, the um, liberal line. I mean... You know that's, uh, you know that's that's just what the they wanted him to say. You know, it, it, it's a matter of trying to sweep the truth under the rug and baffle people with BS. True. I mean, that's really what it was. But you got to hand it to Representative Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan. Oh, he's great. Oh my God, he was he was on fire yesterday. Yes. I mean, he was on fire. Yeah, he absolutely was great. Um, Another point that I thought was quite interesting, when the Garland, he kind of blasted the Republican lawmakers over accusations of not only anti-Catholic bias, but also bias against pro-lifers. Yeah. And that I thought was pretty interesting because it took a while for Garland to say, and he probably had his fingers crossed behind his back, there's no bias against any of those people. Oh. Really? Mm hmm. Guess he lives in a fantasy land. <laughs> you think? <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, every, every question that the Democrats on that committee posed had nothing to do with anything that the committee was there to find out. Nothing. Right. Um, Absolutely. And then the Republicans had all the documents. They had what, what they call, they had the receipts. They had right. all the documents. They had all the quotes. They had everything. And they caught Merrick Garland in lie after lie after lie after lie. Yes. And for a while there, did you notice he got very quiet? Oh, yeah. And he almost looked like a deer caught in the headlights. He, He kind of like zoned out. I'm not talking like Biden zoning out. I'm talking about like, oh, dear, I'm caught. How am I going to get out of this? Well, and I think he was probably weighing whether or not he should even try to get out of it because, you know, uh, they're they're talking about the the possibility of impeaching him. Matt Gates was talking about that. Right. Uh, Jim Jordan was talking about that. Several other members uh, were talking about that yesterday. Uh, but he doesn't care because I mean they can impeach him in the House, but they won't do anything to him over in the Senate. So he's really got nothing no. to worry about. No. Well, he might if uh, the Senate changes hands. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that here in a couple of minutes. But I want to I want to finish up on this whole thing with with Merrick Garland because mm-hmm. he he was trying to tap dance around the questions. He was trying to deliberately not answer the questions. A lot of questions right. he tried to answer with other questions, and. It was very frustrating, but Jim Jordan just kept sticking it to him and sticking it to him. I mean, Jordan was, was like a, a pit bull on a pork chop yesterday, 
And, uh, it, you know, Merrick Garland just came off looking horrible. But I'll tell you something. As I was sitting there watching it and watching him lie his ass off just over and over and over again, literally perjuring himself because, you know, he he claimed different things now than he did when he was in front of that committee in January. And, and you know, I, and they told him, you know, you're, you're perjuring yourself. He, he didn't care. I kept thinking, this is the guy Obama wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. Oh, dear. Can you imagine how that would have worked out? I mean, he wouldn't have cared about the law at all. No, it would have been, uh, he would have been legislating from the highest court in the land, right from that bench. But I found it also quite funny when he defended the DOJ on their allegedly targeting parents at school board meetings. Yeah, I mean, what the hell was that about? How can you, if if you're not just completely full of you-know-what all the way up to your brown eyes, how can you defend that? I mean, you got parents who have a legitimate right to know what's going on in the schools that their right. children are attending, and you're sitting there in front of the Judiciary Committee Defending, going after them, and calling them domestic terrorists? Right. For standing up for their children's rights. I mean, that's... Holy crap! Yeah, that's ridiculous. I remember the days, and it's not that long ago when my kids were in school, and when we had issues, we would go to the school board. Yeah, they wouldn't like that we were there, but at least we were able to speak. And many times we won over school board decisions. But now it's like you walk into a school board meeting as a parent, right away you're tagged. You're a a terrorist, you know, use that word lightly, but you're person non grata, basically. That's what they call call parents that go to school board meetings they call them domestic terrorists that's true you know and, and that's that's a horrific thing um you know to call a parent that's simply concerned about the situation in the schools that their children are attending and, right. and there was set merrick garland yesterday in front of that committee defending that kind of abuse it's it's insane exactly and and this is this whole thing, I mean, Jim Jordan, he's doing great. He's a great guy, but it's going to go nowhere in the end. Right, but at least at least they're getting all of this down in the record. You know, yeah. and, and I mean, for what good it does, I don't know. But, you know, if if nothing else, it gives those of us who actually give a damn a chance to see how, just how bad these people are, because you know we we know how bad Merrick Garland is. I mean, right. you you and I pay you know probably more attention to this kind of stuff than than the average person. Yeah, but, we've written about it when Obama considered him for the Supreme Court. Right, but you know it it gives us a chance to see exactly how they react when they're in the hot seat. You know, yeah. it's one. It's one thing when the policies that come out of the DOJ are, you know, related by uh, a talking head from the DOJ, okay, a, a spokesperson, a town crier, if you will. It's a whole <laughs> other thing when the attorney general himself is sitting there doing it live on camera. True. I mean, it, it, folks, if you haven't seen some of that, go to YouTube and, you know, look at some of the clips. It'll set your hair on fire. Yeah, it's it's nasty stuff in the sense of here it ha- is you have the Attorney General of the United States lying, lying on the record and thinking, I'm getting away with it. Because he is. He is. That's you know, the he, problem. He can get up there and say whatever he wants because... You know, no matter what they do to him in the house, the Senate's not going to touch the guy. No. You know, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Now, talking about the Senate, there is a chance 
in one very contested race in a, a very key state where we could see a flip from a Democrat to a Republican senator. Yeah, and this is in Pennsylvania, folks. And this is, he's a veteran, and he's a businessman. His name is Dave McCormick. And he's going to run against their current Democrat Senator Bob Casey Jr. And it looks like he's doing very, very well because some past opponents of his for his um, uh, for everything that he does, basically, have now come out and endorsed him. Yeah, uh, this is very interesting. This is a winnable race. It's a winnable seat in Pennsylvania. Right. And that's that's huge, because right now, Pennsylvania has two Democrat senators. Yes. Okay, so this would be a, a big get if uh, Dave McCormick might be able to win this seat. Now, he's, it, it looks like, you know, when, when last time he ran, there was questions about, you know, how closely he's actually tied to the state of Pennsylvania, but it seems like he's overcome all of that now. Yes. And um, it seems that the Republicans are actually rallying around him and that includes that at this point in time, he already has the endorsement of all the Republican members of Congress from Pennsylvania. The representatives are Brian Fitzpatrick, Dan Muser, Scott Perry, Lloyd Smucker, John Joyce, Guy Richenhaller, and Mike Kelly and Glenn Thompson. That's heavy-duty names in Pennsylvania, yeah. And in fact, the guy that was thinking of running against him, State Senator Doug Mastriano, he was also considering the Senate, but he decided not to do it and endorsed McCormick instead. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Mastriano uh, a real strong supporter of Trump? And, and that was kind of going against um, well, let's put it Dave this. McCormick in the last deal. Well, let's put it this way. Mastriano, who lost on his attempt, was uh, backed by Trump when Trump backed Oz. Right. So you got to... Kind of iffy there, but... Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, this, this is going to be very interesting um, to see how this race unfolds going forward from, from this point on, because I don't think uh, McCormick, Dave McCormick, is going to have any Republican challenge. Uh, he's going to be in this alone, running against the incumbent Democrat. But what makes it even more interesting, like you said a couple of minutes ago, all these Republicans from Congress are coalescing around Dave McCormick. Right. And what's very funny is, well, it's not funny, a new Pennsylvania poll has just recently come out. And the fact that they're going for this Republican is very shocking because they still have Biden beating Trump for the Electoral College votes of Pennsylvania by over two points. Interesting. Yeah. So it seems that this new guy is picking up the steam and the people are still not convinced that Trump's going to pull it off in Pennsylvania. Well, and here's, here's what the numbers are, okay, uh, as far as the Senate is concerned. If the Republicans can pick up two seats and hold what they've got of those that are running, right? Mm -hmm. Then the Republicans will have the majority in the Senate. I wonder if, uh, you know, you got to deal with um, Mitt Romney retiring. Who is going to run for his place? And after the disaster that was Rhino Mitt, um, are the Republicans going to stand behind a Republican yes. candidate. Uh, in, in fact, 
I can't remember the guy's name, but he is a lot more conservative than Mitt has ever thought of being. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm not as concerned with a conservative. I personally, I want a constitutionalist. And I think I think the guy that, that I'm thinking of is also a veteran. Oh, okay. Um, That's always a plus. And I can't, I just can't remember the guy's name. Um, but uh, it, it, it looks, it looks pretty good. I mean, let's, you know, think, you know, think conservative, but uh, you know, don't use the term. This guy that I'm thinking of is a lot more solid. He's, he's nowhere near a rhino. Let's put it that okay. way. Well, you know, the 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 certain faction within the Republican Party, unless that person worships at the altar of Trump, they're a rhino. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. you always got to take that into effect, too. Now, um, there's a good news, bad news scenario, though, that I think we need to talk about here. And that is that People that track this stuff this early, and of course, you know, we're early. Very early. We're it, over a year out. Yeah. You know, but people that track this stuff and, and actually have a track record of success in doing this are saying it looks pretty likely that the Republicans will take control of the Senate. However, it also looks likely that the Republicans will lose the majority in the House. That's very bad because that's the purse strings. You know, and what they're pointing to is something we're going to be talking about uh, at the beginning of the next segment of the show. So I don't want to give too much away, but, but you know, what they're some of the, the key factors in making that prediction is the looming government shutdown and the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. They're saying that those two things. Uh, are are bad news for Republicans if Republicans want to keep control of the House of Representatives. So, you know, I mean, where it looks like we might pick up the majority in the Senate, it also is starting to look like we may lose the majority in the House. The problem is if we keep the House and we pick up the Senate, even if, God forbid, you know, Biden gets reelected, he's basically going to be an impotent president. That would be the hope. That would be the optimistic viewpoint. Right. Okay. I don't know that I trust enough of these part-time Republicans that have been elected and are sitting in seats in, in both the House and the Senate to hold the line without caving to, to some goofy-ass thing Obama wants Biden to take credit for. True. I mean, you know, you, you've still got people like Mitch McConnell, you know, over there in the Senate. You've got some, some real squishy Republicans over in the House. And who knows what they'll get behind and what they won't. And I think part of that problem is is because many of the Republicans have forgotten the Constitution. Yeah. The things we need are laid out there, how they were supposed to be. And over the years since the Constitution was written, those things have been bastardized, switched around to meet political agendas. If we would go back to constitutionalism... We'd be a lot better off. It would it would be preferable. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm using that word mildly. Um, it, it's just you know you you, you that's going on right now, um, congressionally, um, and you know one minute you think wow they're really gonna, they're really going to stand strong on something, and the next minute. They're caving in. You know what? Lately, the Republican Party, not lately, it's been for quite a few um, 
years now, the Republican Party has no spine whatsoever. Uh, There's well, a few. The Jim Jordans, you know, there were a few that really right. stand up for the rule of law, for the Constitution, etc. And I think part of that problem is, you know, basically there are two parties in this country, whether people want, you know, want to accept that or not. It's the Republicans and the Democrats. Suddenly, over the past decade or so, conservative has become, in a way, a party. It's not, you know, a party like Republican or Democrat. But what people don't understand is conservatism is not the same as constitutionalism. It's, it's a world of difference. Right. I am a constitutional Republican with certain conservative leanings on certain key issues. Right. But do I deem myself a conservative? No. I'm a constitutional Republican. You know, you and I are a lot the same in, in that respect. We are mm-hmm. fiscally conservative. Right. You know, and but we're very constitutional leaning. Yes. You know, we, we, we look at the Constitution as the law of the land, not a law of the land. Right. And, you know, when... When you look at conservatism or conservatives, those that identify that way and, and right. only that way, they they tend to be way out there on the right-hand side. And, and I hate to say it, but the uber-religious right kind of owns that property. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no way do, do I go in that direction at all yeah you may have Um, noticed i don't either right (laughs) (laughs) you know i don't want a theocracy i'll just i'll just come right out and say it i don't want a theocracy and neither do i you know and i've been i've i've told people for decades literally decades if you don't want the government messing around in your religion then keep your religion out of the government absolutely and um, speaking of that, you know, while it's not in the Constitution, it is in the writings of our founders and framers, separation of church and state. That's why I do not deem myself a conservative because it, public, uh, private schools, yes. If you're a religious-based school, absolutely, that's what you're there for. But I don't want religion in public schools. I have no problem with saying a morning prayer or or something like that. None at all. But I do have problems when they try to force religion even in the public schools. Yeah, I know, you know, look, if if kids want to do that, uh, if if schools want to do that, that's that's fine, but to force it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean for those people who don't think there is any religion in public schools, they probably don't remember what it's like to take a pop quiz. <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of praying that goes on before pop right. quizzes at every level. Um, right. You know, it, it's, you know, you, you don't want government messing around in your religion. And, right. and you know, you, you ask any of these you know, I call them the holier than us. Would you like to have government dictating to you what you can do in your religion? And then, oh, no, 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 no. That's off limits. And I said, well, then keep your religion out of the government. Right. Don't don't tell me that government has to be religious and, and everything has to be based on the Bible and God. No, not in government. That's you. That's for you and your private life. Right. And that's what separates me from saying I'm a conservative. I Religion is, is, to me, it's a personal thing. It's in your private life. Right. Don't, don't force it on everybody. That's not how our country was set up to be. If it was set up to be that way, our founders and framers would not have left the theocracies of Europe. And that's why I think we need to separate 
constitutionally based Republicans from conservatives. Yes, we have conservative leanings, like Craig said, in fiscal responsibility and and, and other areas. Even in our, our overall sense of morals, we might lean more that way. Well, and, and even, even when it comes down to government regulations and government interference in people's private lives, we, we have the conservative leaning there. We're, we're very heavily leaning towards that conservative end, but right. you draw the line when it gets to that religious stuff. Right, and, and I think it would be almost better if, if someone – you're registered as a Republican – but you walk around and call yourself a conservative, yet, okay, there's a small conservative party in the United States, but the party itself doesn't carry the weight needed to determine a presidency or whatever. That's why I think we need to get back, in a way, to our two-party system. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It'll be, you know, it's a long road because everything's so fractured. You know, now even right. the Republican Party is fractured. You know, the conservatives are uh, an ideology, a branch of an ideology within the Republican Party. So, right. you know, I mean. Well, I don't know if the Republicans ever that ever intended that to happen. I don't Because think so. Republicanism in general means, you know, you, you favor the rule of law that is the Constitution. But somehow the conservatives intermingled with the Republicans, and it's now like the Republican Conservative Party. And it is in certain things, but not in everything. And I right. think that fracture within the Republican Party is causing us a lot of, of trouble. Well, it is. And, you know, it, it, it causes division within the party, which means you don't have any party unity when it comes to important voting decisions. And, right. You know, that's, that's something that's always been the downfall of the Republican Party. But listen, we've hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we've still got a couple of topics left. We're going to talk about the looming government shutdown and Joe Biden's really, really bad week. So stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after that. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through a Friday night edition of the show. And if you miss any part of it, all you have to do is go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and have at it. 
Spend your Saturday, your Sunday, listening to past episodes of Right Side Patriots. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are people out there that don't have a life or they just want to hide from the world, and that's a good way to do it. I think in today's world, people want to hide from it, hide from the reality of today's world. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, you and I go the extra mile to inform people, not only on this program, but with our blogs. That's true. You know, so if you go to rspradio1.com, not only can you click the podcast button and listen to this show and past shows, but you can also have access to our individual blogs. Pretty sweet deal. All right, mm-hmm. so real quickly, Diane, there is a seismic shift in Dallas, Texas. Yes, and this is great, and I hope this starts a movement. The Dallas mayor, his name is Eric Johnson, He's uh, and Dallas is the third largest city um, in Texas, and he has switched his party. He was a Democrat-elected mayor. But he now says he has left the party, he has become a Republican, and his reasons for doing it is he set policies such as he's saying no to everybody that wants to defund the police, he's uh, fighting for lower taxes and a friendly or business climate, And he's investing in family-friendly infrastructure, such as better parks, trails, activities for kids, and everything. In other words, all the hallmarks of what Republican mayors do, and he has said he's done. He's done with the destroying that the Democrats have done to cities. They have turned cities basically into nightmares, and hopefully... What he has done, we'll see other major cities following his leads. Democrat mayors realizing they're losing their city. You know, uh, that guy's guy's a horrible Democrat. If he stands for all those things that you just talked about, he's a horrible Democrat. It's about time he got into the Republican Party. And, And as far as starting a movement, I guarantee you, that the uh, Democrats in the state of Texas are having a movement all over themselves right now. So, Yeah, and and I really like that when he did his announcement, um, he said it's clear that the nation and its cities have reached a time for choosing, which he actually was a hat tip, if you will, to Ronald Reagan when he said the overwhelming majority of Americans who call our cities home deserve to have real choices, not progressive echo chambers at City Hall. And he used Reagan's quote as well in explaining why he's switching. And hopefully his words, there have to be other Democrat mayors out there who are seeing their cities destroyed and who are like, we've had enough. We can't do this. Hopefully time will tell. Um, Also time is going to tell when it comes to this looming government shutdown Uh, right now, it looks highly likely that the government will be shut down at the end of this month. And that's because a bunch of house Republicans went against speaker McCarthy's plan to keep the government up and running. Well, it wasn't quite that. What his plan was to have more discussion. He proposed some special legislation that would keep it temporarily up and running while the two sides could discuss more. Right. Now, as I understand certain issues, it wasn't exactly to keep the government up and running. Well, it no. was a call it, for discussion. Right. And as I understand it, that was a deal that was hammered out between Speaker Kevin McCarthy and uh, Congressman James Comer, I believe. Right. I, I'm not sure. I think I think maybe it was Comer. It may have been may have been a different congressman, but they kind of came up with that, and it was going to keep the government up and running for another 30 days. Right. Okay. While they had these discussions, now there were a bunch of uh, 
members of the House, pretty much, Four. yeah, led by Matt Gates, right? That said, nope, we're not going to do that, and and they put the uh, the kibosh on that. Now, I understand where Matt Gates is coming from. I also oh, understand sure. where Kevin McCarthy is coming from. Right. And if you go back to the first segment uh, of this show tonight. One of the key factors in the possibility, and it's becoming a better possibility by the day, that we might lose control of the House is this looming government shutdown. This always works against the Republicans. And this, you know, we've got a razor-thin margin in the House as it is. We can't really afford to lose seats. And this, in combination with the, uh, the inquiry of impeachment, against Joe Biden are the two main factors that have prognosticators now saying that that the Republicans may lose the majority in the House. I can understand taking a hard line and saying, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna put forth Nancy Pelosi's um spending tactics for another right. thirty days. I, I get that. Right. But but if you can strengthen the Republican position going into twenty twenty four by giving it another 30 days to have more discussion and, and come up with a better plan, then why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. It's only 30 days. It's not like they he asked for a year, you know, let's go into the next fiscal year. No, he didn't say that. He said he wanted 30 days to work out a better deal, a better compromise where both sides win. But these four Republicans sided with the Democrats. And And that, to me, is bad in itself. I I mean, the Democrats want want the thing to shut down because that bodes bad for the Republicans. Right. Okay, because the Republicans are in the majority, and if it shuts down, the Republicans get blamed. Okay? Um so the Democrats want that shutdown. They they really want it. I I can understand where Matt Gates is coming from, and ninety five percent of the time I am in agreement with Matt Gates. I like him. This is one of those times where I think you would be better off to take a shot at extending things for thirty days. That's all it is. Thirty days. Right. And in that 30 days, laser focus on coming up with a, a, a workable plan. And this yeah, is honest, they, honestly, this is something the, the House should have been doing for the last six months. Right. Instead, they're, um, they were dilly-dallying around with, with other things. But there is one person who is pushing for the shutdown. Do we dare say? Go ahead. Trump. If the government shuts down, his trials get probably postponed till after, if not the primaries, the election itself. And that's well and fine because we stand with him on the witch hunt. But it's also not right. It's not looking at the big picture. Correct. You know, it's it's Trump, once again, looking out for Trump. And I get that, okay? Yeah. I, you know, in, in this case, I get that. But the bigger picture paints a different picture. And yeah. it's better for the country at this point to take another 30 days to try and come up with a better deal than to just flat out lock the door. Exactly. And that's... That really bothers me. Um, Trump should not have said anything about this. Got to weigh in on everything, Diane. You know that. I know that. But this was a very bad thing to weigh in on because it does come across, ooh, I don't have to worry about the trials and it'll be easy sailing for me and this Uh, and that. I know it. I know it. But, But you know as well as I do, if Congress took up the matter of which laundry detergent does better in cold water, Trump would weigh in on that too. Yeah. He doesn't know when to shut his mouth and this could actually backfire on him. 
It's it's just we've got such a tangled web right now. Right. It, it seems to me that that taking a, a just a half a step backwards and saying, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna make this happen for the next thirty days, and during those thirty days, we're gonna laser focus, and we're gonna come up with a workable budget solution. Uh, to to keep the doors open and keep government up and running so that we can do the work that the people sent us to Washington to do. It seems to me that would make more sense than planting your feet on on something that's actually bad for the party in the big picture down the road in the election in 2024. It's also the plan that the Democrats were proposing is actually bad for the country. Right. It's it's extremely bad for our military, you know, and, and um, who is going to be chopped up in little pieces. Now, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, Diane, but wouldn't it make more sense to say, okay, we're going to do that, and, and we're gonna we're gonna send the country down the toilet because of it, and we're going to draw attention to it every step of the way. This is the Democrat plan. This is the Democrat plan, and and we're going to hammer that and hammer that and hammer that all the way through uh, the the next eight months, all the way up to the general election, so that people understand this isn't what the Republicans wanted. This is what the Democrats wanted, and look what it's doing to your bank account, your pocketbook, and everything else. Yep. It's not the right thing to do, folks. It really isn't. They should have. These four, it, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor, Green, um, offhand, I don't know the other two right now. Um, this is, it's just wrong. Oh, I think the other one was Matt Lauer. Uh, Law, Lawler. Lawler, yeah. Lawler. Um this is just wrong. What is the problem with another 30 days, seriously, for discussion? Why are these four so afraid of discussion? Also, these four are die-hard only Trumpers. It's easier to convince the American public of the fact that this very bad plan the Democrats have put forward is owned lock, stock, and barrel by the Democrats than it is to try and get across to the American public that shutting down the government is not the fault of the Republicans. Right. But they'll blame it on the Republicans. Exactly. They win that's, either way. That's, the that's what I'm saying. The Democrats win on this. That's what I'm saying. But it's easier to convince the American public, look, the Democrats came up with this spending bill than it is to say the Republicans didn't shut down the Congress. I right. mean, you know, it's just one of those things. But, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. But right now, it doesn't look like there's any wiggle room. And at the end of this month, things are going to get shut down. One thing that won't get shut down, I found out just before we went on the air, is the amount of money we keep giving to Ukraine. I know that's, uh, but you know what? I blame that. Right on Biden. If he ha- he had promised them at the beginning of the war the F-16 bombers and things, he never delivered them. They're still sitting in Poland. If he had delivered on his promise, this war might have been over by now. But but this this is you know one thing the Republicans were in agreement on is that we're we're going to cut this funding this this open checkbook right. uh, to Ukraine. But with the government shutdown, the Democrats slipped in a thing in there that says even if the government shuts down, we're going to keep funding Ukraine. So, yeah, you know, we can't win. The Democrats are better strategists than we are at this point. They seem to look at the big picture and know, well, we could do this, but we can get away with this because they don't even realize what we're trying to get away with. Right, until it's too late. The, and that goes right. back to Pelosi saying you have to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill. Right, and it seems yeah. that's the way Congress is running right now. Finally, on tonight's show, Biden has had a very, very bad week. Um, <laughs> I mean, a really bad week. Yes. Uh, he, was, uh, he was on stage uh, the other day with the uh, president of Brazil. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were, they were, you know, doing their thing and they had the podiums up there and, and everything. And, uh, when they got done, Biden was supposed to go over and shake the hand of the leader of Brazil, but no, no, Biden just turned around and started to wander off the stage and damn near knocked over the Brazilian flag. Yeah. Well, you wanted something that's, uh, might even top that. Sure, go ahead. Okay. Biden uh, just gave a speech at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute's 46th Annual Gala uh-huh. in D.C. And he went in saying how um, great everything was and this and that. And then he congratulated the caucus. However... Nice. He didn't congratulate. Here it is. He's at this Hispanic caucus. That that would be the that would be them that would be the his that would be the Hispanic caucus. The folks, listen closely. He congratulated. He he issued a congratulations while speaking to the Hispanic caucus. Okay, keep that in mind. Go ahead, Diane. Okay, instead of congratulating them. <laughs> He stood up there and congratulated the Black Caucus, who embodied all the values that I spoke of. And this all came within 24 hours, these two incidents. Okay. I'll I'll do you one better. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do you one better. All right. Adding to the very, very, very bad week that Joe Biden has had, he was giving a speech. And he went into this whole thing about uh, the the car that mowed down the people at the parade in, what was it, South Carolina, North Carolina, years ago. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And, uh, you know, about Nazis and the KKK and uh, and all of that. And then about a minute and a half later, he repeated the whole story again, like he had never told it. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the man his his abusive wife allows to uh, run. I don't mean physically abusive. We're talking, you know, elderly mental abuse. She allows this. She encourages him to run because she is so greedy to be first lady again. Now, you, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but telling a story and then telling it again a moment later as though you had never told it the first time, is that not one of the prime signs of dementia and, and possibly Alzheimer's? Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, he had no clue that he had just None. told the story. None. And, and of, course, and, of course, it was a bogus story to begin with because he's trying to conflate uh, Nazis, uh, the KKK, and whatever happened at that parade, and and president trump all in all into one story but he told it twice in two minutes this man has no business running for any elected official office this man needs he needs medical help i'm not going to say psychological help because if you have dementia you don't know what you're doing it's not your fault per se This man needs serious medical intervention, and I'm surprised that the head doctor, the Surgeon General or whatever, doesn't come out and actually say on national television, Joe, you've got dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever. You really need to step back here. Funny you use the term head doctor. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I mean... That the head doctor of the U.S. Yeah, you didn't mean the head doctor. You meant the head no. doctor. Right. It's yeah. not a, <laughs> you know, people need to understand Alzheimer's and and the dementias. They're not, they are actual physical diseases right. that manifest, you know, as brain diseases. But if the person is not 
mentally ill in the classic sense that we consider like schizophrenics, psychotics, bipolar. They're they're totally different entities. Congenital liar? Congenital, well, yeah. Okay, I mean, just, whole family. Yeah, I'm just throwing um, that in for good measure. Right. Um, Biden had a bad week. You know, if you elected him as dog catcher, he'd be out there trying to catch dogs that they had already caught and he'd be going here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Yeah, that's true. I'm, you know, that's true. I mean, I, I won't make fun of a man that's suffering from dementia or all that because I've witnessed it and I'm not going to make fun of people who have it. But this man is president of the United States. How he got there at that this point doesn't matter. He's president of the United States. This person with this kind of disease is not fit to be president of the United States. I don't care if they were Democrat or Republican going through this. Remember, Ronald Reagan when he got Alzheimer's, and I mean, he had finished his presidential terms, he stepped back from public life. He announced to everybody right. he was stepping back to take care of his health, his family, whatever. You have to admire somebody who knows that their time in the limelight, it's over. Well, and listen, you can credit a lot of that in, in the classy way that he did that to nancy absolutely okay and you've got the exact opposite situation here with dr jill exactly i i can't even call her doctor i mean i i i, I use that sarcastically I know, i'm not i'm I not know. you know i'm not respecting the title let's put it that way right um, um but it's just every time you see him do these things and unless you've witnessed in your own lives through people that you know this happening, it really is pathetic that his family allows this, allows him to be made a mockery of. Well, and, and you know, normally I would agree with you, Diane. I would not make fun of people in that situation. But because his family is pushing him out there to do this, right. and nobody in his inner circle is saying, Joe, you got a real problem, I will make an exception in Joe Biden's count, uh, you know, case, and I certainly will make fun of him, and I have, and I will continue to. And, because, that, and that's, fi that's fine. Uh, I just choose not to do that. I will well, criticize his policies. I will criticize everything he does, but I won't get into the dementia end except to say somebody with that medical condition, which is obvious, Oof. should not be in office. The problem is, look what's waiting in the wings. I know. I know. But, oh, yeah. oh and, and uh, by the way, waiting in the wings, Kamala Harris. Yeah. Joe's putting her in charge of his new anti-gun violence program. Well, let's see. She did a great job at the border. Yep. She's doing a terrific job as AI czar. So I guess he's rewarding her now. Well, here's the way I look at it. Okay. By putting her in charge of the anti-gun violence program, more and more guns will be sold. That part's true. Kamala Harris will become the gun uh, industry's top salesperson. That's true. I mean. But, but you know what they're doing, Craig? They're grooming her just in case yeah, well, something happens to Biden. Remember, when someone's in that condition, besides the mental issues, they have physical issues that go along with it. Joe Biden can drop at any moment, seriously. I, I know. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it, it looks more and more like that every time you see him in public. Right. And then you we know? got Kamala, you know, she'll have to get off her knees to uh, assume the presidency. And then, oh, my God, will that be awful? The only 
positive thing about that. If that ever happened, and I'm not even wishing that on Joe Biden, but if that did happen, I think any Republican can beat her. She is probably the most disliked person next to Biden in this country today. Biden's a blathering idiot. She's a blithering idiot. The problem is she knows exactly what she's doing. (laughs) I don't know. She'll do whatever she's told. No, in the sense of Biden has no clue what he's doing. She knows what words to say to get her attention. She can't believe all the stuff she spews out. No, but but she trips over her tongue too, and I mean, you yeah. know, she, she'll do whatever Obama tells her to do. I mean, that's well, so you know, Biden. That's right. the problem. <laughs> hey, <coughs> excuse me, we've run out of time. Okay, so with that, we'll say nighty night, and we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Folks, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. We'll catch up with you Tuesday evening on Right Side Patriots. Bye bye. <laughs>